You were listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 127. 127, what? Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and it is always an honor and a privilege to have you. I am in addiction recovery, and I'm loving every single day of it. That being said, <laughs> this is... Now, for those of you listening in the archive, you don't realize this is a bonus episode for the week. You just know that it's an episode that popped up. But for those of you who listen all the time and keep up with it, you realize that this is a very rare very rare double episode in a week. And I've got so much going through my mind right now that I can't not shoot this podcast and I can't hold on to this. And I don't even want to hold on to it and save it for next week. I've got plenty of other things to talk about. I have no problem with more and more topics. In fact, I'm probably going to come up with more topics while I talk about these topics. And so um, I've put some thought into this. A lot of it came during my workout when my brain just likes to be creative because it does that when I'm in trance mode and I was totally shredding the legs and I'm exhausted and, and there's a certain amount of overwhelm I feel about the amount of work I've taken on, the pressure I put on myself. And, and there's just all of these, all of these emotions that are just, just coursing through me. Um, last week's explosion, you know, at the bicyclist and what could have occurred had I not created that space between shout out to miles for reminding me about Dave Matthews band song, the space between, and I don't know the rest of the words, but I'm going to hum the song anyway, the space between. (laughs) So, uh, blessed be the space between. Uh, as far as last week, but I realized when I get temperamental, it's because there is a, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I don't worry all that much about what other people might be trying to pressurize me with or around or what they would like to see me do or expect me to do. It's, it's about Jesse and, and (sighs) what I do to myself. And then I started to really take in what it is that overwhelm can feel like and what it is to appreciate the journey and to appreciate the steps that we go through each and every day to up-level ourselves. And then that turned into internal versus external validation and motivation. And then Adulting 101 came up and I started to think about why we can't or why we're told not to or why other people won't celebrate the little things with us. And then it started to blossom into this, what do you want? And do you really pay attention to wanting the things that you already have? And then seeking more for yourself, from yourself. And then how can you attach rewards? It, 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 just, it just went nuts. And of course, all of this with this very deep undercurrent of the willpower book that I am currently listening to in Audible. I swear those people should totally sponsor my show. I talk about them so much. It's called The Willpower Instinct. And chapter five and six discuss dopamine and being hard on yourself and reward center. And so anyways, all of this just coursing through my brains. And then I reconnected with an old friend, um, T, and, and, and then I talked to a current tribal member, member L. And I didn't really ask these guys to 
have their names said in the show. So we'll just use TNL because it just works that way. For those of you not in the tribe, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Nobody knows T other than me. So they brought a couple different things to the table. And I thought, man, I got to really dive into this stuff and, and then the why for why we want. So anyways, it's just, we're going to, we're going to unwrap this stuff live as I'm really feeling like I'm unwrapping it now. And that's, this is, it's a bonus Jesse from sobriety to recovery episode. And I'm just jacked up on adrenaline from this workout and probably more caffeine than I should have drank before. it. So let's get on to this thing. <laughs> Where I would like to start is with Simone Biles. What is occurring on a national stage with this young lady and her her mental health being discussed in such a very open public forum is both very heartwarming to hear the way people are talking about it, and and it's also... I hope the beginning of really discussing mental health as something that is the most important aspect of humankind that we have seemingly ignored for the pretty much the duration of our beingness. It's not too long ago, I would say maybe you know, probably somewhere in the 2010s. I, I don't think I'm stretching too far back. I, I feel like maybe at the beginning of 2000 with the, with 9/11, people would have embraced the idea of mental health better than they did. I think in the at the end of 2010 and going into the the teens. And certainly, we are way better than we were in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. I, I understand that we are taking steps as a civilization and a society to be more embraceive of people's mental health. But I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say that even 10 years ago, the narrative around this would not have been as kind. I have watched football players and baseball players and basketball players miss the shot, not show up in a big game and be called choke artists. And and perhaps it's because she's a, a young woman. Perhaps it's because um, she's so endearing. Perhaps it's because of the scandal that went down with the U.S. Olympic gymnastics team and the doctor who stepped with, I mean, I don't even know how to start to talk about that in in light of what we ta- what we've heard about the abuse that U.S. gymnastics went through. All of these things add up, I believe, and with how close we are to these social justice issues and, and how much we're embracing the pressure that, that people can be put under on such a gigantic world stage. And Michael Phelps, who everyone lauds as the best Olympian the U.S. has ever had, coming out and talking about his mental health. And it's just, I feel like we're at that perfect storm to support Simone Biles in this moment. And I really do believe that this will be a catalyst to discuss mental health, not just for the elite who push themselves on a grand stage in front of all of the lights, but even whenever they're not having lights shown upon them. And for, there's so much of what they do that goes on in the shadows as they begin to prepare themselves for the spotlight. And 
99.99999% of the population never gets the spotlight. But yet we have our own mental health things that we go through. And so often we're told to buck it up or, you know, pull up our pants or put our big girl panties or big guy underwear on. And it's like, you know, pull it, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and stop being a little pussy, Jesse. Work harder. Stop crying. What are you, a little girl? You gay? I mean, this is the kind of crap that my stepdad said to me when I was younger. Um, because that's the kind of crap that was said to him when he was younger and so on and so forth. And we have a new civilization now that seeks to find this balance, this homeostasis of pushing ourselves to exceed our own expectations, pushing ourselves to achieve what it is we desire in life, but doing so in a way that, that doesn't beat the shit out of ourselves and watching Simone Biles do some of those those uh those maneuvers where she's flying through the air and if she messes those things up i mean we're talking like major serious injury paralysis maybe even death if you land the wrong way i i can uh, totally validate why stopping competing when you're in that mindset when you have that frame going on in your head is of the utmost importance as much as it broke my heart that she didn't get to achieve the goals that she had set for herself and that we didn't get to see an experience with her what all of that hard work was like stepping back and saying you know what if i keep doing this tonight i could literally kill myself let alone be the anchor around my team that holds them back from achieving what they've worked so hard to get. And so I love that this is happening and that we're talking about mental health now. I really hope that the conversation continues to get uplifted and continues to be the topic du jour well past the Olympics. I do worry that oftentimes, like the Olympics, everyone talks about these people and these athletes and what they achieve in this three-week period. We sort of get that awesome wave at the end of it, and then we don't hear anything else about it for the next three years and ten months. And so I really am just astounded by the strength that she's showing and but also about how the embracing not just from other athletes because i sort of expect that um i'm really surprised about the way that for the most part twitter has handled it <laughs> and the way people are, are really supporting what's going on and then thinking about that led me to think about where are there opportunities in our own life where we can support someone's mental health in a way that we may not even realize is supporting their mental health. And that was, is what got me into the why can't we celebrate the little things and the adulting 101 and then the internal versus external validation and motivation. See, I get super excited inside. I don't really tell other people that I get excited about this stuff, but I get excited about it for me. When I get into my Hyundai Santa Fe, when I pay a bill on time, when I'm able to put 10% away into my savings each time I get paid, each time I uh, sign up a new client, each time somebody new comes into the tribe, I'm able to do certain things with my finances, you know, grow the business, but also save for the future and be able to invest in this other thing and be able to grow over here and grow over there. Like paying a bill on time, um, watching my credit score go up, seeing a plan that I put into place three years ago start to finally bear fruit, 
um, you know, make a decision on February 1st to shed some weight. And then on my birthday, there it is. And it wasn't just that day that I got to celebrate it. I was celebrating it each and every single day because each day I was taking one more step forward. And I, celebrating those little times, like today I am exhausted. I am spent. My brain has no more energy left in it. I don't know if it can think anymore. I don't know if my body can go outside and walk any more steps. Thank goodness I've already hit my 12,000 for the day, so I don't have to ask it to. But I would, because that's just what I do, because I told myself 12,000 steps. But I'm at that point where I'm like, man, just I just want to chill out. So then I want to say, okay, well, then how can I celebrate everything that got me to this point? Because I'm at this point because of all the hard work and all of the pushing of myself. Where am I not celebrating the little things in my life that would allow me to fully understand the growth that I have been involved in for well over 55 months since I got sober? And where are you not celebrating the little things? And where are you asking someone who doesn't want to celebrate little things to then celebrate them with you and then getting disappointed when they are not equally excited with your little steps as much as you are? This goes back to, to something a friend said once, you know, I get, I made a comment about how super exciting it was to like make the bed every single day for like a month as soon as I got out of it and how awesome it was to like vacuum the floor and, and like clean up bird seed and stuff like that. And the person's response was, yeah, that's what adults do. They make their bed, they keep the floors clean and they, they pick up after themselves that to me is an opportunity that was missed by this person to support something that I, I personally, I found really exciting for myself. It, it meant something to me, right? I would normally make the bed, but maybe it's two hours after I get up because I walk out of the bedroom and I'm not going to be back in the bedroom for a little while. There's times where I leave the bedroom in the morning at six thirty seven a.m. and I don't walk back into it until 11, 12 o'clock at night. If you close the door, I'm not even sure I'd know that room was here. Where in your life are you doing these little adulting 101 things that somebody else is just taking for granted for that's what adults do? Well, who said that's what adults do? And why can't I still celebrate something that other adults might take for granted, but I don't? I don't want to take those things for granted. When I vacuum my car or I fill up my gas tank when it's only half full, Right? I don't want to just shrug that off as that's what responsible adults do. Because for 22 years, I knew exactly what I thought an irresponsible adult was. I know what those things feel like. When we, when we strip ourselves of that childlike enthusiasm to do the little things, right? You know, to make a nice meal for our loved one or to uh, throw away something that smells slightly spoiled, even though our old scarcity mindset says, you know, if you boil that long enough, you could make it edible. <laughs> That's something I used to do a lot of, right? There's these moments in our life where we get to step into the enthusiasm of doing something that for us brings us joy, paying a bill on time, locking the door when we leave the house, picking up our clothes off the floor as soon as we throw them there, uh, you know, cleaning the bathroom once or twice a week to make sure that it doesn't get grimy. Just because somebody else doesn't want to celebrate those things and they just want to write it off as a that's adulting, I'm not. No, no, I'm I'm not gonna I, I I'm not going to get into that your world 
I don't want to live in your head for this stuff. I want to live in my world where I can get into my car that I finally let myself buy because I was sober and here I've owned it for almost five years and I still look at that car with joy. I do not not appreciate that car. I love that car. That car gets me from point A to point B. It will continue me on to journeys. It takes me to my speaking events. It takes me to my training events. It takes me to my coaching meetings and coaching calls and all of that stuff. It is my conduit to get from here to there. And I get to do it with, you know, little BB things on their side view mirrors that just bring me tons of joy when I don't see that car in my blind spot. I don't want to take that for granted. I don't want to take for granted the joy that comes from making my bed as soon as I get out of it or walking the dog before it has to ask or for doing all the dishes as soon as I'm done eating. I don't want to ever lose the joy that comes from doing those things and I don't want you to lose that joy either. Those may not be the things you're thinking about, but you have your own examples of stuff that you wanted to do when you were a drunk or a druggie. There was things that you wanted to do when you first got sober that you couldn't commit to, that you couldn't see you couldn't see past to realize that there was a reward waiting for you. I'm learning in the willpower instinct that dopamine's main existence in our brain is is to trigger the reward center. So when we know a reward is possible, the dopamine floods our brains to push us out of the cave to go seek the reward. We're sitting there and we're hungry and we think berries and and as the caveman, the dopamine floods our brains and then the reward is the berries. The reward is to get to the berries. The reward in our past was we'd, we'd wake up, we'd feel like crap, we'd had to go to work, and then we'd, we'd meet up, we'd see some friends at work, you know, I was a bartender and a server, and be like, man, let's go to the bar afterwards. And all of a sudden, I'd feel a ton better. Because the dopamine flooded my brain and said, look, make it through this shift, do your job really well so no one realizes how skeeted out you are, and then you get to go to the bar and do a bunch of shots and do some key bumps in the bathroom stall, and everything will be awesome. Right? And then the dopamine floods the brain, and for the next eight hours of my shift, no matter how much I'm getting my ass kicked, all I'm thinking, my brain's already taken care of me. Don't worry, bro. We got your reward. Your reward's coming. Just keep pushing through. And then you get to the bar, and the moment you imbibe that alcohol, you don't get what you thought you would get out of it because the dopamine's job isn't, is not to make you happy that you got the reward, the dopamine's job is to get you to the reward. This is why when people fill up their bank account with money or they buy a bunch of stuff, that it doesn't make them happy. The reward was making the money. The reward was was buying, was buying to get to the place right where you were like, charge it, and you put your credit card down. Then the dopamine's like, cool, we're done here. I got you to the berries. I don't really care if you, you're going to obviously eat the berries. I brought you to the berries, so I don't have to worry about whether you're going to eat the berries or buy the clothes or make the money. I got you to this point, and you're just going to naturally take it from here. And then all of a sudden, the dopamine's not flooding the brain anymore, and now we're stuck like, well, why don't I feel happy? I just made all this money. I just bought all these things. I just you know, made it 417 days into sobriety. I, I, why am I not happy about this? It's not necessarily that you're not happy, but you don't feel that enthusiasm that the dopamine had tricked you into thinking you would feel. Right? You don't feel that satisfaction, that joy, that enthusiasm at the same level you were as you were seeking the reward. Getting to the reward is the dopamine's job. 
once you've gotten the reward, it did, hell, it did, I'm serious. It shuts itself down the moment the reward is literally, I mean, the dopamine's like, yep, yep, here comes the beer, here comes the beer. And it's like, as that liquid is going across your lips, dopamine fucking packs up the show and rolls home. I'm good. I got you to the reward. I honestly don't care if you enjoy the reward. I never told you you were going to be happy or satisfied by the reward. My job was to get you to the berries, to get you to the beer, to get you to the clothing store, to get you to get that money in your hand. That's it. I'm done. This is why we don't feel satisfied when the reward is now upon us, when we own these things or we're drinking it. The dopamine flooded us because that's what it does. It triggers the reward center. So when you make the decision to make a change, that's when the dopamine fires up, right? It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to shed 10 pounds and I'm going to do it in 10 weeks and it's going to be super healthy and it's going to be super amazing. And I can't wait to start this. So the reward center gets triggered by the dopamine and now you're fired up, but the most fired up you're going to be about releasing those 10 pounds, making that million dollars, uh, buying those clothes. The most excited you're going to be is the anticipation of it on the way to the store. Um, the, the, the anticipation you have as you build the product or you uh, get the job, the anticipation of getting yourself to the bar, this, that, that is the height of the enjoyment that you will get from it. And this is what the willpower instinct talks about. The moment you decide to make the change, you reach peak enjoyment of the possibility of the change. Once you start to go through the steps for the change, that's where the actual work is. And then all of a sudden the mind's like, oh man, I didn't realize that we weren't going to be able to drink beer. I just wanted to say that we were never going to drink again. I didn't realize there was going to be all this other shit I had to do. I just said I wanted to release 10 pounds. I didn't realize that that meant not being able to have French fries whenever the hell I want. Right, And then you get stressed out a little bit, and the dopamine center fires off and says, hey, back in the day when we were stressed out, our reward was French fries. Let's seek out some French fries. But you just said you wanted to release 10 pounds. Oh, I'm super stressed out. And this is when I used to do a bunch of drugs and drink a bunch of booze, so that must be what I have to do. But I already made this commitment not to, so now I'm going to have to go against that, and then I'm going to beat myself up because I didn't follow through on this commitment. And in the process of beating myself up, I'm actually going to drain myself more, and now, I'm, now my defenses are lowered. And now because my defenses are lowered, and fuck it, I've already had some french fries. I already drank one beer. Might as well just clean out the bar. Might as well just go to McDonald's and just sit there and just keep saying, hit me until I've eaten so many french fries I pass out. They've got studies about mice in the Willpower Instinct, chapter five and six, if you want to go listen to it. It's fantastic. And I've barely begun to decipher this chapters. And like I said, this is a bonus episode. If it makes no sense and it rambles on and on and on, I'm more than fine with that. If you continue to listen, then you have clearly made the decision that you are also okay with that. (laughs) So going back to what I was saying earlier about enjoying the little things in life, Right. It's it's in the it's in the act of figuring out how we can keep the reward center involved, the dopamine involved as we go about achieving these little things. And I really do think it's the celebrating of the small little steps. When I talk to my buddy T and he talks about how when he's in his own house, maybe he'll play video games before he'll do the dishes. But if he's at his girlfriend's house, he'll definitely do the dishes as soon as they're done using them. Right, So he's externally motivated to do the dishes when he's at his girlfriend's house because of her, her perception of him, her validation of him because he does the dishes or takes out the garbage. But at his own house, when it's only his validation, 
It's only his motivation that's paying attention to whether he does the dishes or takes out the garbage. He's more prone to play the video games first. Now, because we've discussed dopamine previously, not just in this episode, but in others, we fully understand that that there's something that he wants to fulfill within himself that seeks out the video game. We know that there's that that's a reward system. There's a really cool uh, line in a song. Um, there's there's a hole in my heart, and I fill it with chemicals. It's very popular on um, XM thirty six right now on Cirrus. And I don't remember the name of the song, and I don't remember any of the other lyrics. It just, there's a hole in my heart, and I fill it with chemicals. When there's a hole, a void somewhere inside of us, we seek to fill it with something. And if we can't go about filling it with what it's supposed to be filled with, which is perhaps love, satisfaction, self-worth, self-esteem, I don't know. I don't know what it would be for you, and I'm not even sure I know what it'd be for me. Right now, I'm just sort of going with this. When we don't know what the hole is there, we don't know what it needs to be filled with, then we just seek out whatever we think will bring us immediate fulfillment of the hole. And that's why in the song, they fill it with chemicals. Well, chemicals could be seen as alcohol or drugs, or chemicals could be seen as dopamine and serotonin and all this other stuff that comes in whenever you're doing something that that fires off all of this external sensory modulation in you. And now all of a sudden you're playing video games for two hours when what you really should have been doing was doing the dishes and vacuuming the floor. But you're not getting that hole filled with the right kind of chemicals by doing the dishes and, and taking out the garbage, but instead video games will definitely do that for you. I don't think video games were originally invented to completely take over our brain and, you know, just feed us with these constant dopamine hits. But I can assure you that somewhere along the line, they figured this out because there's like brain marketing now, companies that specialize in how to make sure that certain ads show up during certain things and your and your brain is being tapped every couple 10, 20 seconds to make sure that you're being sparked by this video game or by this app. They have definitely figured out the neuroscience around marketing and dopamine and satisfaction, and they're they're absolutely exploiting it now. Maybe not in 1984 when the first Nintendo came out, but they definitely figured it out somewhere in the 90s. So how can you gamify taking out the garbage? How can you gamify the dishwasher? How can you step into a place where you can celebrate the small stuff that other people might just call adulting? 101 and want to shrug off. I again, and I will say this again, I will testify to it. I do not want to shrug off the satisfaction I get from doing things that that I once just didn't want to do. I want it to take satisfaction in dusting my room and keeping a plant alive and watering it on time and vacuuming up all the bird seed and keeping bird seed in the feeder and keeping my car washed and keeping my closet organized. Like I want to enjoy these things. Trying to toss it off as that's adulting. Congratulations, you're adulting. Aren't you special? Yeah, I, let, me, let me think I'm special. Let me think I'm happy in my own little world. Why would you squash that? What the hell is wrong with people? Why would you see someone enjoying something, being satisfied and happy about something that they're doing for themselves in their life, and then have the gall to have your response back be like, that's just being an adult. Like, stop being happy about shit. Well, screw you, creepo. (laughs) Seriously. 
Like, what is going on in someone else's life? It's like seeing a kid really fully enjoying a toy and then just walking over, snatching the toy and spiking it off the ground, being like, nope, you're not allowed to experience joy with that. No. No, you don't get to enjoy that. Like, why not? Why not be able to experience joy over the little things in life? Keep a plan alive. Dust your shells. Walk your dog. Whatever it might be. Hell, freaking take a shower. I mean, I never forget how much I was told at the beginning of my sobriety that, you know, to really marvel at the little things, you know, that it could be something as simple as cleaning up your room every single day or taking a shower or washing your face or brushing your teeth. Things that I would let go for on and on and on and on whenever I was a drunk because it's like, hey, what is, right? I got a buzz. I don't want to go shower. I don't want to take out my garbage. I don't want to eat healthy. These are things that I just, you know, ebb and flow, not always, but generally would just take sort of like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't feel like doing that. That's stupid. I want to have fun. I want to be little seven-year-old Jesse and just do what I want when I want. And that's great and all to have fun. But at the same time, I noticed very quickly when I chose fun over some of these adulting maneuvers, I would be thinking about the adulting maneuvers I could have been doing or should have been doing and and would do later. But right now I want to just be me and I just want to have fun. I noticed that behavior in me. And we've talked about coulda, shoulda, woulda and how those are, those are naughty words. But that's the way that I would talk to myself back then. So now I've gamified this adulting stuff. I celebrate the little things. When I call someone to thank them for sending me a birthday card, or the other day I decided I didn't, I had two iPads. One of them was like seriously like iPad 2. And I said, hey, boo, my sister, I was like, you, look, I don't need this iPad anymore. I don't want to sell it online for 50 bucks. It's like, would you like it? It's old, but it still very much works and it could be fun for you. And she was super pumped and excited to own it. And so I mailed it to her and leaving that post office, I felt like super adult. Like I'm the kind of person that goes to a post office and mails something to a loved one. And I spent $15 to do it, but she's going to have so much joy. And I'm the kind of person who does that. I was not that kind of person for 22 years. I don't want to not be fascinated by my continued growth and my behavior modifications that that bring me joy. Someone very close to me as I was shedding off all my weight commented that I looked Ethiopian and, and, and super skinny. And regardless of whether you think that that's something that they should have said or not about some people from another country, I definitely remember in the 80s and 90s that being a, that being something that people said just in general uh, about how, you know, farm aid and, and Africa aid and, and sending help over there and all that jazz. And I just remember thinking, well, I can't one believe that you would say something like that to me, considering how hard I'm working to achieve this. Like I get that I, I did for a six foot three person, get down to 158 pounds. And some people may think, well, that's not exactly the kind of body weight somebody your height should be, but I did it eating my macros on fleek, on balance, on point and walking my 10 to 12,000 steps a day and doing my HIIT workouts five days a week. And I did it very, very healthily. And now I'm putting back on weight healthily, which was always the point. 
within a year or two, I'll put on about 15 to 20 pounds of muscle and I'll be sitting right around that 175, 180 range. And I'll have done it in a very extremely healthy way at a pace that the body can actually adapt and turn sustainable. But looking at me and saying, you look at Ethiopian, it was, it was why it hurt so much is it because it seemed to just completely ignore all the hard work that I put into and, and all the balance and, and, and all the healthy nutrition and all of the growth mindset and all of the work that went into that. And even saying it out loud, I can't help but think like, would you go up to someone who'd gained 50 pounds and been like, Hey, fat Albert, why don't you eat another freaking Twinkie? Right? Like, why would you say something like that to somebody about their body? Like, why would, just go ahead and assume it's probably going to be a dick thing to say and not to mention it's going to hurt their feelings and, and why what what kind of connection do you expect to get from someone when you say something derogatory about somebody else's body whether you're going to comment on how skinny they are or how much bigger they've gotten that if if the way in the tone and the words and in the moment come off as derogatory you're being rude and it doesn't matter how much heart-centered love you thought you were coming from, if the person receives it as rude, then your communication strategy did not work. And it reminds me of when my sister first got into rehab back in 2016, and I went out to Colorado to see her, and we were sitting there having lunch, and she made a comment about how she'd lost like 10 pounds. And again, this is literally what just happened to me. I did to her, and I was like, really? Where? I can't even tell. Now, I might be paraphrasing, but I'm pretty sure I remembered that pretty damn accurate. And she even told me, like, that hurts. Like, I'm really happy about this. And I'll never forget how much of an ass I felt like. And I even told myself then and there, sear this moment into your mind and understand that just because you can't tell or just because that doesn't seem impressive to you or whatever internal picture I have in my head of what it is to achieve something amazing in life, that doesn't mean that that person taking that one small step didn't just achieve something amazing in their life. Now let's fast forward. You know, I've got almost five years into sobriety and recovery. I've got my, you know, 7,000 some hours of coaching, teaching and training and speaking, 500 some odd hours of direct learning of this material from people who are who have been doing it for a long time and are amazing at it another 2000 of just practicing and, and self teaching and then a couple thousand more hours of coaching and, and and speaking and training and i've got so much more experience on how to actually be a good human right because that's i mean you look at all that stuff with coaching speaking training and the things i do it's taught me to be an amazing human as, as like the foundation for being good at coaching and supportive. But now I'm just a really much better human. And there's no way I would have responded to my sister with that line now. I wouldn't have responded with my sister that line the next day. But for something in that moment, I did. And once I got into sobriety and recovery and realized, wow, like I used to, I used to go months without washing my sheets. And then I got to this point where I was like, okay, every week on Saturday afternoon when I come home from work and I don't have to work again for another handful of days, I'm going to do my sheets. I'm going to make sure that they're clean for the rest of the week. And that was like a huge deal to be able to wash my sheets every single week. Because it was something that I had that I literally let go for a long time back in my drunken days. That may not seem like a big deal to some, but it was huge to me. 
And who am I to belittle what somebody else gets joy from, what somebody else considers an accomplishment? Who in the hell am I to tell them that it's not based on what? My perception of the world? My perception of what accomplishing something amazing is? That's not right because we all have a different model of the world. We've all experienced the world completely different. We have different personality programming. We have different, um, we have different meta patterns running underneath the surface. We have all these different experiences and memories based on our environment, skills, and capabilities and upbringing. I mean, there is a zero percent chance anybody will ever look at the same situation the same. It's just impossible. And I know I don't use the word impossible very often, but I can absolutely, without a doubt, plant a flag in this sentence: It is impossible that you and another person will ever experience the same event the same way. There's too many factors involved. So when my sister tells me how happy she is I lost weight, and I say, where? I don't even notice it. That's, that, that is negating what somebody else believes is a great accomplishment. Now, mind you, this is in October of 2016. This is, we're now living in you know, July of t- 2021. Tons of growth to to from then to now but again even the moment she told me that I was like I can't believe I just said that to her like why like prop her up this could be the beginning of something amazing for her or it could just be the continuation of something she's already been doing that she finally just decided to tell me about so when one of my friends tells me that I'm I look skinny as an Ethiopian it, it, why it hurts so bad is for the same reason that my sister felt hurt I was working my ass off to achieve this. If you can't listen to the reason why I'm shedding all this fat off to just build it right back up, I don't need you to agree. I don't even need you to support me. At the very least, just don't say something super assholeish that somehow takes away all of this genuine effort I've put into it. And that goes back to this celebrating the stuff that people take for granted. This, somebody else might take for granted that they don't overdrink or overdrug or overeat or oversex or overgamble or overporn, whatever it might be. They may not even understand it, but I don't need you to understand me. I don't need you to understand every little facet of me. I just need you to understand that we're different and our brains behave differently. Our dopamine centers fire off differently. Our reward centers are all different. Some people's reward center is a combination of pornography and sex and gamblings, and somebody else, it might just be collecting Disney figurines. Whatever your dopamine center fires off as you, to get you to the reward, the rewards can be vast and innumerable. And even if we both want to get to the same Disney figurine, the reason why we want to get to that same Disney figurine as our reward is not going to be the same. The memories that have attached to it, the experiences that have created it, they're not going to be the same. When you look to gamify your life so that you start achieving these little tiny things like mopping your floor and doing your dishes, you have to seek out where you can make that a part of something bigger. What does doing the dishes as soon as you use them mean? For me, it's just this little, it's like, it's like I get a little red star in first grade next to my name whenever I do something else that's really cool and adulting. Where can you attach some level of thinking around that? And maybe it's not adulting for you. Maybe it's just enjoying the little things in life. So you stop and you stare out at the bird feeder for 10 minutes. 
or you meditate a little bit and sit, you know, and you guide yourself through imagining an amusement park you were playing on. Like, I don't know what that, that bigger thing can be for you, but I know for me, I see all these little tiny steps, the making of the bed, the doing of the dishes, the vacuuming of the floor as just these little red stars, these little reminders that I'm, that I'm in this adulting thing and, and I'm in it to win it. And that it feels amazing. And I don't ever want to let that go. We, we applaud whenever a little f- tiny child gets up on their feet and takes five steps before they fall on their face. But yet as an adult, we finally get up on our feet and we walk five steps and we fall on our face. And everyone's like, why didn't you walk 20 steps? What the hell is your problem? What do you mean you relapsed? What do you mean you didn't do the dishes right after we were done eating? What do you mean you didn't make the bed? You're not adulting. You're a fucking loser. What kind of response, and I'm asking this as an entirety of a society, what kind of response is that to somebody? Who behaves that way? You don't yank the three-year-old up by the collar of their shirt and scream in their face because they walked five steps and didn't walk 20. You see how amazing that is for them to have even walked the five and then you applaud and you, and you push them up and you say, hey, let's get you to walk five more. Maybe it's not even five more, but today maybe it's just one more. I get fired up and I said that all that stuff with like the very, very strong tonality because I literally feel like this is what I'm seeing all over Twitter, all over social media. What I see people saying to themselves, see the yelling, I I see the vitriol. It's like we don't even want to applaud the five steps, let alone the next time they get up and maybe they only walk one or two, but they keep pushing forward. And look, I get that as adults, there's a certain amount of personal responsibility we have to step into. We have to pay our own bills. We have to feed ourselves. We have to wipe our own ass. I get all of these things. I absolutely do, right? If you're sleeping on somebody's couch and you're making a mess and you're not even handling your own business, then yeah, they're going to be a little bit more up in your face about it. But if you're handling your own stuff, if you've got your own house, you, you have your own transportation, every time you call someone, you don't want something from them other than just to have a conversation and to discuss things, right? You're not calling up, hey, I need you to drive me to the grocery store. Hey, can you loan me $20? Hey, I need you to call this person and apologize for me because I was a dick, right? Like if you're, if you're handling your business, then you get to handle your business and do things your way. If you find yourself relying upon other people and you're not pulling your own weight, then you want to ask yourself, how did you get yourself in that situation? And then remedy it. And when, that could be a whole other podcast. But when you see somebody who's got their job and they've got their, they're, they're, they're getting their things together, they're getting their shit, they're getting their life together, right? But they're paying their own bills and, and they're, 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 they've got their own car and they've got their own rent and they take care of themselves. If you find them falling down and they relapse or they get back into another toxic relationship and you're having the same conversation with them for the 27th time in a row, either decide to be a supportive friend or, or decide to limit how often you talk to them, decide to cut them out of your life, but make a decision and move forward on it. 
If you don't want to keep having the same recycled conversations, then either be supportive and help guide them to a place of empowerment or step back and say, you know what, I, I love our relationship, but every single time we talk, it just seems to be the same recycled conversation. I'd really prefer if we change the subject. And if that's the way it goes, that's the way it goes. Because I'm giving everybody here the same 100% responsibility for the communication in the conversation. Uh, without getting too deep and murky into all the different infinite variables that could happen in a, in a conversation like this, let's just stick to to what I had previously mentioned was if you see somebody trying, why are you not applauding that? You applaud a child when they try to walk and they fall 175 times. When or when did we decide to stop applauding people for those little tiny steps forward? When or when did we decide? And again, we could come up with 150 variables for why maybe you don't think you should have to applaud them and you don't have to applaud them. Instead of just being neutral about it, you instead get up their ass about why they didn't walk 30 steps, then then I have a question about why that's the energy you're taking into it. When I talked to one of my tribal members yesterday, and I'll close out on this because, again, a bonus episode, you've listened to how much ever you've listened to. It's When I talked to one of my tribal members yesterday, there was a lot about um, releasing people from their past and cutting out some uh, phone numbers and just basically just releasing the past. And it was an amazing conversation and we really connected a lot of dots together and guided her to a place where that process of releasing these people from her life could begin to start in the deletion of phone numbers and cutting ties. And there was a part of her that was seeking external validation from someone close to her in her life for having done this. And just like she thought when she moved forward on it, it didn't necessarily occur the way that she had wanted it, but she sort of expected that it wouldn't. And I remember saying, it's all about your own internal validation. Can you recognize in yourself that you took one more step closer to empowered recovery? Can you see in yourself the little steps that you're doing? Can you pat yourself on the back for the adulting 101? Can you celebrate the small stuff? Others might want to know why it took you so long to do something. Why, why, why? Man, if I knew why it took me 22 years to stop using, stop binge drinking and doing drugs, I mean, shit, then the likelihood that I would figure out all those whys is about as likely as Doc Brown and Marty McFly pulling up in a DeLorean saying, hey, bro, you want to go back to 1994 and make some different decisions? Understanding all the whys is... It's complex, and NLP can absolutely get us to a lot of the whys. But when you start talking about the infinite discovery of all the whys, why every little single day you kept making the same decision, it becomes so vast that at some point you just have to say, I'm okay not knowing all the whys. But what I do know is I did it today. I did it today. Why didn't I do it yesterday? I did it today. Why didn't I get sober five years ago? I did it today. Why didn't I start calling up my relatives and telling them how much I loved them 17 years ago? I don't know, but I did it today. Acknowledging that you're making steps forward each and every day to me is what adulting 101 is. I just want so much for us and society and and 
the world at large to just stop and take a breath once in a while and realize that we're all doing the best we can with the resources we have. We're all doing the best we can with the level of maturity we have today. We're all doing the best we can with the amount of, of, of physical prowess or healthy bodies that we can with today. We're all doing the best we can with the, the amount of intelligence or our mental acuity or our spiritual enlightenment. We're doing the best we can with all of that stuff that we can today. Tomorrow, I might have learned something new today, so then tomorrow becomes better or more empowered, right? But if we step into this law of requisite variety where the person with the most flexibility controls their own system and we, we embed that the idea of the system we're seeking to control is our own selves, then each and every day that we do something to uplift ourselves and to further empower ourselves is an amazing day. And just because somebody else doesn't think that making the bed as soon as you get up or deleting a phone number from your phone or taking the dog out before they mess up the house or washing your car when it's dirty or getting the oil changed on time or having the brakes fixed when they start to squeak, just because somebody else just takes that for granted doesn't mean that you have to. And if that's not the person who's going to celebrate those things with you, go find someone who will. Obviously, I want you to be internally validated and motivated to celebrate it with yourself, but we're all humans. We love being a part of a tribe. We love feeling like we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. We like having somebody else to sit there and watch the fireworks with. We like being able to celebrate our promotion or our savings account or our big step forward or the tiniest little thing in our lives. We like being able to express ourselves to someone else and enjoy it with them. That's natural for humans to want somebody else to enjoy it with. So if the person you're hoping will be the one to celebrate it with you, and they're not, somebody else, and I'm not saying if your husband or wife won't you know, sit there and shoot off fireworks with you whenever you make the bed that you need to go off and, and leave them for somebody else. I don't mean that. There's another friend. There's another family member. There's, there's, there's someone that you can go and they'll give you that, that enjoyment. And then you come back and and you still love these people in your life, even if they're not necessarily the ones who really fully embrace these little tiny steps that you're making. This is why having a sober community and a sober tribe is so important because we know what it's like to celebrate the littlest of things the seventh meeting in 14 days, or calling up the old friend and making amends. We know what it's like to make those steps and to celebrate each and every little one as we climb up the ladder toward recovery, toward our empowered self. I'll leave you on this one. What do you want in life? What do you really want? What is your dopamine center pushing you toward as the reward? Another aspect of Adulting 101 that I think is super important is understanding that you really want a lot of the things that you already have. You want your sobriety. You want your car. You want your job. You may not always love your job, or you may always love your car, and you may not always love your sobriety, but you want those things because a job helps you helps you eat and and buy cool things that you want for yourself or save up so you feel safe and secure. A car gets you to that job. Your sobriety is what keeps you, you know, keeps you there, keeps you here, keeps you moving forward. How much do you really want your cell phone? How much do you really want Wi-Fi? 
How much do you really want soda water in the fridge whenever you go open it up? How much do you really want there to be food there whenever you open it up? How much do you really want the ink in that pen to work when you pick it up to write? How much do you really want your computer screen to light up whenever you push some keys and type in the password? How much do you really want the sunshine to come in through the windows and give your plants life? How much? How many of these things were you not even aware that you wanted until I mentioned them? Most of the things that we really want in life, we actually already have. And if you ever ask yourself, how do I really know what I want that I already have? Look at something in your house and think to yourself, if that all of a sudden were gone, if somebody came in right now and took it away, if I broke my phone, if my car broke down, if I got fired from my job, would I want to go get it back? If you want to go get it back, then you really want it. And you know what's beautiful? You already have it. Celebrate that. Step into that moment in your life. That, to me, is adulting 101. Celebrate the little things. Pat yourself on the back. Lift other people up when they take one more small step forward. Gamify chores. Gamify the little things in life. That you get to put a little red star next to your name each day when you take another step forward, being your highest sense of self. Release the concern for why you waited till today to make the decision to move forward and be excited and enthralled and celebrate the fact that you made that decision today, knowing that making that decision is the height of the excitement you will feel around that decision. The dopamine's job is to get you to make the decision to change. The dopamine's job is to get you excited so you go out and you buy a new pair of workout shorts or you go out and buy broccoli or you go out and you put $10 in your savings account. Its job is not to make you happy about that stuff. It's about getting you excited to actually go out and seek the fulfillment of those desires in your life. So my way of gamifying this is that each time I do something, I've already got the next game, the next step planned out. So my dopamine center keeps having something to to fire me up toward. And I'm okay if the actual reward isn't for five and a half months away because I love anticipation. I've always loved anticipation. And it turns out the reason why I love anticipation is because that's what the dopamine does. It fires off our anticipation receptor. Opening up the gift, finding out the the punchline of the joke, finally seeing the climax of the TV show play out. Very rarely is it as exciting as the build-up to that moment actually is. And that, to me, is embracing my inner child, which for me is step one in adulting 101. I hope you've enjoyed this bonus episode. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up sober. That is our foundation, y'all. That is the foundation. The dopamine got me to sobriety. Now I have figured out ways to keep having the dopamine fuel this amazing life of mine. If you would like more information on how you could be involved in the Wise Mind Empowerment and Leadership Tribe, please DM me. If you want to to send me an email, it's from sobriety to recovery at gmail.com. It's my own private account just for this show. 
DM me at Jesse Mogul, at From Sobriety Recovery over on Instagram. Find me. Raise your hand. Step forward. It's your turn. I will call on you. As always, shout out sunshine. Glow on. All right. We'll see you next week for our regularly scheduled episode. Bye-bye, y'all. Thank you.